Governor Murphy, a WBGO news production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. I'm Nancy Solomon. It's a new year and the beginning of a second term for the governor with a new focus. He wants to lower property taxes and make the state more affordable. Listeners, this is your chance to speak directly with the governor. We know your property taxes are high, but do you think you get good value for your government and schools? Call us with your questions. We've got a new number tonight. It's 973-297-0941. We'll also be taking your questions via social media using the hashtag AskGovMurphy. And the number again to call is 973-297-0941. And we're joined in the studios of WBGO in Newark by Governor Phil Murphy. Welcome back. Nice to be back, Nancy. Let's try this again. Uh, yes. We, we tried this once last year and have a little problem with my uh, hearing here. But we, we we did this once in May, I think, last year. Uh, but then Delta overtook us and then Omicron. And, so here we we're, are. We're back. We've both uh, rapid tested so we could take our masks off in the studio here together. So um, we're hoping things go well. So before we... Uh, jump into all things second term. Um, let's get a quick COVID update from you. Listen, I think things, it's hard to say things aren't going in a good direction. I'd say now building on three weeks, we're down to 3,700 something folks in the hospital. Um, ICU count has finally started to come down. Case numbers uh, are coming down. Um, and, and Omicron in New Jersey is behaving and mimicking the way it's behaved elsewhere in the world, South Africa, UK, and uh, and now, thank God, in New Jersey. It went up fast, ferociously, coming down very fast. We continue to be among the most vaccinated states in America, but sadly, most of the, not all, but most of the severe illness and death these days are with unvaccinated folks. The um, booster rate is um, lagging relative to what it should be. Uh, and, and we're spending a lot of time getting that up because we know if you're boosted, you've got a level of defense that you, you just don't uh, you uh, don't have if, even if you've got primary vaccination. But listen, things going in the right direction, and please God, it'll continue to, uh, and we can get to getting back to a real normalcy from pandemic to endemic. People ask me this a lot: Where does this end up? I'm only relying on conversations with experts medical scientific scientific experts the the consensus building consensus i'd say right now is that this ends up ultimately in our midst it never goes to zero but we completely live a normal life with it around us and it's like a bad flu season probably getting some boosters on some right flu shot in october i'm not sure you need to anyone knows yet if if, if you do that once a year with covid um, and God willing, sooner than later, we're taking masks off of kids in school and doing a lot of the other stuff that I know f- are good folks crazy, including yours, Trilly, by the way. So, Yeah. Well, let's stay with that idea about masks in school because, you know, I think that's the one place where you've been getting a lot parents pushback that they really hate that their kids are have to wear a mask all day in school. Um, you have said that schools are one of the safest places in terms of COVID for, for kids to be. Um, so what's the data on this? Like how, what's the data on how safe it is for kids to be in school and how, and why it's important to wear a mask? Yeah, it, it is 
very safe for kids to be in school. I don't have the the amount of cumulative outbreaks, but we've had probably 400 and something outbreaks since late August. Uh, and that's out of 3,500 schools. And that might be an outbreak, might be in one classroom. Uh, but it's it, it has been very safe, thank God. But a big part of that is that kids and educators and staff have been wearing masks. But we're going to get to a point, Nancy, if the numbers keep going this way, we're within, you know, I'm going to say within X number of weeks where I think we can really revisit this and take a uh, take a responsible step. You know, I, I think it would be nice on the margin to have the weather a little bit warmer so we can have a little bit more of our lives outside. We know the virus is a lot less lethal outdoors. But we're going to – these numbers keep up. We're going to get there. And that's the thing I would say to parents out there. I don't blame you for being frustrated and fatigued. I am as well. I'm a dad myself. Um, But uh, keep the faith. It's worked, importantly. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of the reason vaccines, boosters, masks are a big part of the reason why we're keeping people safe. But we're we're getting there. I'm confident of that. Yeah. You know, I find – I've reached a point of exhaustion in terms of making decisions constantly about what I can and can't do, what the kids can and can't do. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of curious, like, what's it like for you? Uh, You know, how do you make decisions day in and day out? I mean, we came to a decision that we do the show in the studio without masks. We test before. But how are you, you know, what's it like both at home and at work trying to make these decisions? Yeah, so it's a great question. And I'd I'd love to compare notes with you because I'm not sure we've got it all figured out. Um, We had two two family members get it within the past month, my wife and one of our kids. Very mild, if any, symptoms. But that led us to a whole sleeping in different bedrooms, sitting at a different table at dinner, keeping the door cracked. We invested in a HEPA filter uh, about a year and a half ago, so that thing is cranking. Sounds like an airplane engine while you're having uh, (laughs) dinner. Uh, So we went through that period. Uh, We're now through that, thank God. Uh, But we're still careful when we're indoors and you're in you're packed in with a lot of people you don't necessarily know we're still careful particularly with masking so we had a scale down inauguration last week which was still wonderful uh but you know you're you're taking steps like that um but i i i think we're going to be you know we're going to be back into a regular pattern here i think pretty soon mm-hmm. and I, and i'm sure i'm not alone i cannot wait yeah me neither, but I'm worried that uh, just some new, you know, variant on the the virus will come. But that, I guess I'm feeling pessimistic that no, way. No, but that is the risk, and I'm glad you raised it. And not glad you raised it, but it must be raised. Every time we think we have this thing figured out, it humbles you. So, yep. Yep. okay, so let's go to the phones. We have Greg on the line from Freehold. Hello, Governor Murphy. Hi, Greg. Nice to hear from you. Yes, sir. So I want to talk to you today about property taxes and the high cost of living. So as you well know, we have the highest property taxes in the country. It's been that way for a long time, and every single thing you've done in the first term has made that worse because you have increased spending by $13 billion, and all of that has to be paid for with tax money, no matter what you spend it on. And recently a study came out that showed New Jersey is the worst state in the country as it relates to retirement. So retiring in New Jersey is nearly impossible because of the high cost of living, because of the property taxes. And all of that is, by definition, your fault. So, 
What's the question, one Greg? The, the things that make this state so expensive is spending, and one of the biggest spending items is road construction costs. We spend $1.1 million to pave a single mile of road, and New York, our neighbor, spends $300,000 to pave a single mile of road, which is still a lot. But why do we have to pay so much for road construction costs? Why won't you look into reducing somehow the road construction costs, regardless of what you have to do, laying people off, cutting salaries? You have to start putting the taxpayers first. We, the taxpayer, me, I've been your whipping boy for four years. You, you've just picked my pocket clean. Okay, my property Greg, taxes I think, have gone up dramatically. I think right. we got there's your no point. End in sight. Let's have the governor so, respond. There's no one in this state... I've spoken with Greg almost as much as I speak with family members. He is, to his credit, he calls in to your program and he he calls into the television program, and it's the same uh, line. Now, listen, some of what Greg is saying, uh, I want to acknowledge. We inherited a mess as it relates to affordability and property taxes in this state, and he's right that over the years this has been a persistent challenge, and it's been one that has uh, been dogging the state for decades. But let's not let the facts get in the way, Greg. Let me just tell you a couple things. We have delivered 14 tax cuts in our first term to the middle class and working families and seniors. The property tax reality, four of the lowest increases on record. Why did we have to spend $13 billion? Because the last administration underfunded increase in expenditures. The last administration underfunded public education by $9 billion cumulatively and never made a single full pension payment. We're now funding it at record levels in public education, and we have made the first full pension payment in 25 years. And with all due respect, those decisions that get made at the state level means that that's good for property tax payers. Um, and so uh, we're going to continue to stay at it. Uh, we're looking at putting the budget together right now, and, uh, and affordability will continue to be a big element here. But folks have to understand when you hear your expenditures went up, well, they went up for a reason. If we fund public education at a record level at the state level, that's relief for property taxes locally. But the pre- or previous administration did the opposite and put more pressure. So we're trying to correct that. We'll continue to correct it, and we care – deeply about retirees, which is why we throw so much into senior freeze, property, uh, homestead rebates, and we'll continue to do that as well. Now, it's also true that it's not the state budget. Property taxes don't have anything to do with the actual state budget, right? We don't set them, but just decisions we make, Nancy, impact them significantly. So we decide to do we are literally record high investments as we sit sit here, and I think folks should expect the next budget will will pile on that record. Record high investment in public education. 53% of your property tax bill is public education. So if the state's taking more of the burden, that means less on you. Record high investment in infrastructure and the very roads that Greg is talking about. Record investments in making health care more affordable and more accessible. All of that, either directly into property taxes or more broadly as it relates to affordability, um, uh, is is relief. One other pesky detail, which I'm proud of. Uh, when we got into office four years ago this month, we were 47th in the nation in economic growth. Last quarter, we were four. We're moving in the right direction. Okay, we're going to go to a question from social media. Kenny Burns is on the line with us from the, WHYY. The Kenny Burns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you have for us, Kenny? Thank you, Nancy. Good evening, Governor. Hey, Kenny. Uh, we begin with Austin and Jersey City, who writes... Will there ever be a COVID vaccine requirement for indoor businesses in New Jersey? 
He also points out that New York City residents have been enjoying, quote, additional protection for many months due to their indoor vaccine mandate. And Newark has followed suit with their own mandate. Yeah, I don't, Austin, I don't see it as a statewide matter. Uh, but but the good news is we have now probably nine months ago, it, it, early on in the pandemic, we were very concerned about one city or one county doing one thing that others weren't doing because you'd have unintended consequences. Nancy, you're the mayor of town X. You decide to, I wish. Uh, uh, you decide <laughs> to open your restaurants to full capacity or alternatively close them or put some other in then all the people then rush over to my town and you don't want those unintended consequences. We now know enough about the virus uh, that we we can allow communities to within within some amount of reasonability to make decisions as Newark is, is has done, um, and so we, we we allow that. But I don't see it at the state level. Partly, if not mostly, I don't think we need it. Um, we are big believers in test uh, vaccination or a testing opt out. If you're not in a healthcare or vulnerable community, we'll continue to still think that's a good idea. Um, but a broad across the board mandate. I don't see it. And part of the reason is where you have seen them, you haven't seen any real difference in the numbers associated with the pandemic than you've seen in New Jersey. So that's that's where I think we're going to stay, Austin. Again, if you're in a hospital, long-term care, vulnerable community, we're going to need to require you to get uh, vaccinated and boosted uh, over the next number of months. Okay, we're going to go back to the phones. We have Brea. She's on the line from Trenton, ready to speak with you. Hey, Brea. Hi, Governor Murphy. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Pleasure. Um, My husband and I moved to Trenton four years ago, um, and we were very excited about living in Mill Hill. Uh, Unfortunately, as a first-time homebuyer, we were unaware of exactly how our home was going to be assessed and how taxes affected that. So we are paying $1,000 a month more now than we were uh, since we were moving in there. Okay, um, that's not good. What, what sort of assistance can you provide for people like us? Yeah, well, we have a lot of assistance, and a lot of it related to the pandemic. And I'm not sure how much of this, Brea, may be pandemic-related, but I will get somebody, either the lieutenant governor herself or someone senior from the Department of Community Affairs, to follow up with you. Uh, because I don't want to make a blanket statement uh, if it's very particular to your situation. For the most part, as I said to Greg's questions, we've made a lot of significant progress um, on affordability and property taxes specifically. Uh, COVID has upended some of that for sure, uh, but we've also at the same time gotten a lot of relief on the street for rental, mortgage, other uh, utilities, arrearages, uh, and the Department of Community Affairs has, has done a, a really good job on that front. In fact, in terms of rental assistance, I think we may be among the best in the country, which, I'll, which by the way, the feds note, and then they give you more money, which is what you want. That, that's what you want. But Bria, with your blessing, I'm going to ask either the lieutenant governor or somebody on her team to follow up with you. I do appreciate that. We've actually been looking to move out of state, which I would prefer not oh, to do. No, please stay. Let's, let's try to figure something out here, Bria. Okay, thank you so God much. God bless you. Take care. So you talked when, uh, in terms of lowering property taxes. You talked about the state in you know helping yep. towns, school districts to pay their costs, and and that should help. Um, anything else that you're looking at? I know one of the proposals that's been batted around for at least twenty years is uh, the idea of merging smaller towns yep. together. 
Uh, that seems to be like just people hate that idea. They, they go crazy. <laughs> it's like a, the dental drill without Novocaine in, into the root of your tooth. Um, so the, 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 some of the tools that we've got, how the state invests money, as we've already discussed. We, we have two shared services, ours, who have done really good work, outstanding work over the past um, four years. One former Republican, Republican mayor, one Democratic mayor. Uh, Nick Platt, Jordan Glatt, they've done a lot. So that's more not merging towns is, because there's not a lot of appetite for that, but sharing, uh, merging, um, sharing services between communities or between community on the one hand and the county um, on the other. Growing the economy. You know, we've got a lot of new industries in our time as governor, film and television, sports betting, about to be cannabis. Um, lots of exciting offshore wind. We grow the economy. We have more revenues. We can drive more money into property tax relief at the state level. Um, do, looking at things that jumpstart main streets. I'll give you one that I'd love to look at to do it right, and it's hard to do it right. Liquor license reform, mm-hmm. uh, which has been proven around the country. You got to do it in a fair way because the folks who are the old owners of these licenses, you don't want to rip their rip their eyes out and hurt them. Hurt them. But there are ways to do this creatively. Game changer for for main streets. That draws in more business, more activity. Um, so there's a lot of different ways we try to get at this, and we'll you know attracting corporations to come in and put a new headquarters here or expand here or a new division that creates jobs, but it also creates rateables which is a different way of getting property tax relief. So we look at it all across the board. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about uh, Maryland, which has countywide school districts. And, of course, people would totally freak out and never allow you to do that. But it is, I mean, you save a lot of money with bigger school districts. Our, like, small boutique 644 school districts is super expensive. So, I mean... Is there any way to move the needle on that? Well, listen, I signed a bill uh, earlier this month that is going to prompt a study of regionalization uh, to allow counties to look at that, not to mandate them, but to allow them to look at that. I think that's worthy of uh, of looking at it. This was a big passion of Steve Sweeney's and, uh, and others. The one thing you don't – listen, home rule, good news, bad news. Bad news is 565 townships – 600 or more school districts were the poster child for all the challenges that go with that. Mm-hmm. On the other side, we do have the number one public education system in America. And I think a lot of that is the pride that local communities have in their schools and the quality of their schools and wanting, hey, I want my schools to be better than your schools in my neighboring town. So there's a lot of that. You don't want to lose that ever in New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, I have felt that if you appeal to people around the fact that if they're in a small school district, they don't have like a magnet school for different things. Resources, they don't have right? The resources to offer their kids yep. lots of different That's stuff. That's why you have to be open minded to it, I believe. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be taking more of your calls. I'm Nancy Solomon, and you're listening to Ask Governor Murphy. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WNYC and WHYY. Got a question for the governor? Call us at 973-297-0941. That's 973-297-0941. Or pose your question on Twitter or Facebook 
with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. I'm Nancy Solomon, and we're live with Governor Phil Murphy. And we're going to go right to the phones, back to the phones, because we have Gary from Jersey City on the line. Gary? Hey, Gary. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Hi, uh, thank you so much, Governor Murphy, for doing this. Thank you, sir. So my question pertains to the excluded New Jerseyans fund. Uh, Six million has been distributed so far, but now 34 million is being allocated elsewhere. Uh, As you know, the policy was passed late last year and the deadline was extended, but even considering that, it's a pretty small window compared to the other COVID assistance programs. Uh, 11,000 have applied, but it seems 7,000 applications still have no response and are marked as pending. So my question is what can those 7,000 applicants expect with the money being moved? And where is this money going if not in the hands of people who need it? Yeah. Gary, good question. I'm going to have our Commissioner of the Department of Human Services, Sarah Edelman, follow up with you. But I want to give folks a little history and then also, Gary, not breaking news, but give you a sense of where I think this ends up, I, I would say almost imminently. We were able to cobble together $40 million of federal money, which was not easy to do. That compares very well with other states. Folks will rightfully observe, hey, New York and California put a lot more money out there. Well, that was because they passed legislation in those states. And I've said all along I would be uh, absolutely supportive of legislation that came to my desk. None has come to my desk. Turns out the money we're able to get expired at the end of 2021. We have no – that's the Fed's rule, not ours. Uh, The other – challenge when you have federal money, you have to, it's a very onerous process to prove that you had suffering as it relates to COVID, that you had a financial, you have to prove it in a very sort of challenging way. So unfortunately, we we did get $6 million uh, of uh, demand that was approved out of 40, but folks rightfully are out there saying, and by the way, our folks, we had two, in fact, two Latina who worked for Sarah Edelman, worked around the clock to get that program up, and they should feel very proud of what they did. But the clock ran out. So, Gary, here's what we're thinking. It turns out that was CARES money from the Trump administration. The American Rescue Plan money has a lot more flexibility. Um, so this is where I think this is headed. If I have my druthers, and I hope we'll be able to announce something in the next day or so or imminently, um, find the $34 million that would get this back up to 40 in addition to the six that we already did. Because it's more flexible, we'll be able to get the money out more easily and more folks will qualify. You're still very limited requirements here. You have to live in Jersey. You have to be at least 18. You have to make less than $55,000. If you're awarded, you get 2,000 bucks as an individual, 4,000 in a household. Um, We're also, Gary, going to go back to the un- met demand or the, the, the applications that are either still in process or were rejected and review all of them. And we're going to extend the deadline uh, till the end of February. Um, and and we'll, this will stop either when we get to the $40 million or the end of February, which is an extra month. Again, we're not quite there yet, but I feel confident enough to give you the outlines uh, to say what I've just said because I'm, I'm highly optimistic we'll get to something that looks like what I just said literally in a matter of a day or so. So let me make sure I understand you. So for folks who put in paperwork but didn't make the cutoff. They will all be reviewed, re-reviewed. And and then you'll open it back up for the $34 million Correct. F- star- starting soon? I, I hope or? soon. It'll be soon. And we're going to extend the deadline from uh, January 31st, which is Monday, 
to the end of February or until we hit the $40 million. And again, it's not like for like, Nancy, because because the ARP money has more flexibility. You don't have to prove that negative impact from COVID. That's really hard. You have to prove somehow that with a document that you lost your job or your, your in arrearages. And a lot of these folks, not all of them, but a lot of them are not U.S. citizens. So that made it even more challenging. This is going to be much easier to get the money on the street to where we need it. And these people clearly are desperate. And we're not all we're not going to recover from this thing either virally or economically until we all recover. And this is a big step, assuming we get it done. I'm, I'm doing something I don't normally do, talking about something before we've put the final pen to paper. But this is very close. And I think that's what I've described is about where it's going to come out. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, we're going to go back to Kenny Burns from WHYY, who's got another question from social media. Nancy and Governor, we actually had a couple of people ask this question. Robert Baxter and how will be the representative? Cannabis. When, Governor? <laughs> That's short and to the there point. <laughs> Kenny, and, please give and, Robert my thanks for and, being succinct. And I, <laughs> will do. And I want to add in, even though it was so beautifully succinct, uh, I particularly liked uh, a tweet from so the New Jersey.com reported today that the regulatory commission says it's not going to make the February 22nd deadline. And New Jersey monitor editor Terrence McDonald then tweeted, very few politicians are as popular as the pot referendum was. And they're like, hmm, let's slow walk this. So Ter- Terrence, he's a funny guy. That. He is a funny uh, guy. So what I, I the heck has taken so long? Well, getting this right is uh, no one state has gotten it right. Uh, that's not to say they haven't tried. They haven't done a good job. Um, but we want to get this right. And, and no state has been as obsessed with equity as we are. And I'm not trying to knock other states, but we want to make sure we get this right and we especially get it right as it relates to equity because that's the reason for all the jobs – for all the revenue, for all the economic activity, all of which I love, and it's going to be really good for New Jersey. It's not the reason I, I got to support it. It's social justice. But they're, they're, they're doing uh, an outstanding job. I know it's taken longer. People are getting impatient. But th- we're in a matter of months here. Um, it will, it, it will, I don't want to hang my hat in a date, uh, but it is, uh, it's going to be at this point sooner than later. Um, and, and it will, by the way uh, – I said I'm in it for the social justice piece, which is the, a fact, but I've also been asked how big – because we were talking about budget and property tax relief earlier. Is this going to be a significant uh, item? And, and unlike sports betting, which is meaningful but is a double-digit million-dollar uh, revenue item for the state, it's a huge item in terms of the amount that gets gambled and the jobs we're creating – Adult use cannabis, recreational cannabis, ultimately, not in this year, that, this will be a multi-hundred million dollar revenue item for the state. So that's going to be – and by the way, if I have my druthers, we're going to plow all of that back into not just general budget stuff, but back into the communities that suffered that inequity from the war on drugs. Um, and that will give us some financial weapons that we don't have today. So I apologize if you said this and I missed it, but what is it about getting it right that is so that's slowing the process down? I don't think there's any one thing. It certainly isn't because we don't have outstanding people because we do. Just have uh, uh, Diana Huenu as the chair. I mean, just a great group uh, working on this. I just think getting it right in the sense of the the equity pieces I mentioned um, in, in particular to make sure that the folks who benefit from this industry have a 
a reflection that is uh, of the group that suffered so much from the war on drugs. Uh, getting that right is not ro- you know rolling off a log, as they say. But I'm confident it's gonna it's gonna get there sooner than later, and it's I think gonna stand up as a role model. Uh, period. But in particular, as it relates to equity. Okay, we're going to go back to the phones. We have Paula from South Orange, my old hometown. Hey, you know that town. Uh, on the phone about uh, teacher contracts. Paula, go ahead. Hey, Paula. Hi, Governor. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are so, you? Um, good, good. Uh, my kids are South Orange Maplewood School District, and our teachers do not have a contract. They've been offered around a 2% uh, pay raise which if you take into account inflation is basically a loss of income. Um, The board says they don't have any money. The township says they don't have money. They all point the the finger at the state level. And so I see two possibilities. Either the 2% gap uh, cap is lifted or we go the way of district-wide schools and save money. I find it appalling that after what teachers have done for our kids and what we've asked of them, uh, all we can show up with is a 2% offer. It's absolutely ridiculous. And while I appreciate that you pointed out that New Jersey has the best schools in the country, we also have among the most segregated schools in the country. We come in seventh in segregation. So, you know, while I appreciate the thought on, you know, passing a bill that's going to allow districts to study this, it seems, quite frankly, like too little too late. And so I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, Paula, thank you for that. Um, I don't have thoughts on the particular uh, contract. I mean, that's not something I would ever get in the, the middle of. But let me tell you what I do have thoughts. First of all, South Orange Maplewood is among the best school districts in the entire state. And my colleague Dan Bryant has his kids, lives in Maplewood for that very reason. Um, we have extraordinary educators. And, and Paula is right. We've never seen that more so than the heroism that they have displayed. Even when folks were frustrated, they were in there day in and day out virtually now in person we have you know we have the number one public education system in america uh in large part because we've got the number one educators in america uh and that includes you know i re- remember the administration i uh, i inherited right they were yelling at teachers shut up sit down uh chapter 78 uh, paula which by the way i signed uh, we i i worked with our legislature <clears throat> to sign that we've we've funded public education at record levels four years in a row uh, a lot of that money goes right into districts. Um, we've stopped not only stopped name calling, we've put educators back up on pedestals. So there's no question what we're committed to. I'm not sure regionalization uh, is is the key to a better contract re- resolution. I uh, I'm not sure there's evidence that would support that. So not speaking specifically to the the the. Um, the conflict, uh, the lack of contract that you've discussed, let there be no doubt. Um, we have great educators. We will have their backs. They will be fairly compensated. By the way, health care costs have gone down and quality has not suffered. And the ta- taxpayer has saved money at the same time. Folks said that wasn't possible. We've done that. We're making the full pension payment for the first time in 25 years. Teachers are a huge beneficiary of that. We will continue to have their backs and, by the way, promote the the career as a great um, calling in life. That's another fallout we had from the last administration. They were insulting educators so much and not paying the pension payments and, and nailing them on health care costs. A lot of young folks who would have otherwise got into the profession said, you know what? 
life's too short. I'm going somewhere else. Uh, so we spent a lot of time promoting this as a great calling in life. Well, I've heard two questions that come to mind from what you just said. Um, one is, it seems to me there's an inherent conflict between two goals that a lot of people could probably agree, that you probably agree with and a lot of people would agree with, which is we want to get property taxes lower and we want to pay teachers and firefighters and cops a living wage. And it's the desire to pay them a living wage that makes it really hard to keep property taxes down. So how do you balance those two? I think that's the right word. you got to balance them. I think the, the, the machine was on tilt when we inherited the state four years ago. So I think it was um, – you had a runaway freight train in terms of uh, affordability, lack of affordability and property taxes that were building for literally decades. So let's not all blame this on one administration. That would be extremely unfair. You had structural deficits, pension, health care, outstanding indebtedness to pick three. Um, so I, I think balance would be a word that you used in your question. I, that's what you have to achieve. You want to attract the best and the brightest, whether it's first responders. I was with a bunch of brave police officers today in Patterson. You want to make sure you're continuing to attract great educators, great police, great fire, great public servants. But you want to also present to the taxpayer that you're running a tight ship, that you're making – that you're a responsible leader. Uh, at all levels of government, that you care about their tax dollars and you're treating them as if they were your own. Um, that's sort of getting it in balance, I think, is an important an important point. Some folks say, hey, a retiree moves to state X and they don't have to pay the property tax part of the public education part of their property tax bill if they're a senior. Now, on the surface, that's really appealing. And we, as I said, we throw a lot of relief into senior homeowners <clears throat> as much as any population. But you also don't want to undercut what is the best public education system in America and the funding that is needed to support that, in, their, in that case for their kids, if not grandkids. So getting the balance right is something that we wake up trying to get calibrated every single day. Well, have you looked at uh, other states and how they do it, which I, I'm no expert, but it seems to me if all the money, the tax money went to the state and then went back out to the schools, we would have a better system than, you know, you have, for instance, towns next door to each other where one has an office park or a mall and they've got a lot yeah. of commercial tax base and another one like Maplewood has almost purely residential tax base. Yep. So, um, and you could end up with the that supermarket just over the border of your town, and you're paying for the you know the the rateables for the town yeah. next door. So, I mean, is there a way to make a fairer system? I'm not sure. I mean, in that respect, I mean, if if, if the state were in fact one big city, uh, perhaps. But you you know this, you can't buy a house in Maplewood these days, right? right? People trip over themselves to get into that town, and while they don't, they may not have the commercial rateables. You do have uh, the fact that you've got a, a, a town that folks want to live in, and that under underpins value and it underpins at least residential property taxes. Um, the state could do – you know, we, we, we do pilots all the time. We, we try things out all the time. Uh, we debate – earlier this week, we had a long debate about other steps you could take. Can you think about local – giving municipalities the ability to have a, their own unique tax, tax structure in lieu of property taxes. 
um, it's not that we don't look at things and it's not that we're not obsessed with. I said at the outset, 14 tax cuts in our first term directed to the middle class, working family seniors, four of the lowest property tax increase years on record. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're in the end zone or that we're perfect. I, I, I want to make sure folks hear that. We continue to do everything we can to make the state as special as it is, but as affordable as it can be. Okay, we have lots of calls and callers waiting to talk to you. Uh, we have Frank from West Orange. Boy, Essex County is really in representing tonight. In the house. Uh, Frank from West Orange, you're on the line with the governor. Oh, great. Hey, Thank you. Hello, Nancy, and hello, Governor Murphy. Thank you for taking my call. Governor Murphy, 30 years ago, I worked for the Department of Corrections Division of Juvenile Services under the leadership of some wonderfully dedicated and committed people, including Tom Lynch, Vince Reagan, Joe Tumalo, Ed Namara, and others. At that time, the division established predisposition teams in several counties, Frank, I'm afraid we're going to run out of time before we go to the break. You want to pop a question real quick and we'll answer sure. it when we sure. come Sure. I'm calling okay. about the restorative and transformative justice for youth and communities pilot program. And I want to see that extended beyond the communities that are identified. And that may require some amendment. Um, okay. Right now it's set up. And this is for the transition of kids who are coming out okay, of Okay, Frank, I'm afraid we got to go to the break. Uh, we're going to take a prick. Quick break, and we'll answer your question when we come back. This Thank is you, Ask Frank. Governor Murphy. Thanks. Thanks, Governor. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy, a WBGO News production in collaboration with WHYY and WNYC. Got a question for the governor? Call us at 973-297-0941. That's 973-297-0941. Or pose your question on Twitter or Facebook with the hashtag AskGovMurphy. Nancy Solomon, and we're live with Governor Phil Murphy. And Frank from West Orange is actually still on the line. He's, he's listening. Okay. And um, are you ready to answer his question, or do you want yeah. to hear more from him? No, I think with Frank, I think in order to not waste your time, first of all, criminal justice reform has been a crusade of ours from day one, and nowhere did we need it more than in the juvenile justice system. Uh, but Frank, in terms of extending the pilot, which on the surface sounds like a, a, a smart thing to do, if it would be okay with you, I'm going to ask probably our chief counsel, Paramel Garg, or someone in the attorney general's office to follow up with you to make sure you got a crisp answer. Uh, but as a conceptual matter, anything that is uh, constructive in the juvenile justice space that's working, and, and if there's an opportunity to do more of it, uh, um, uh, count me in. Okay. Thank That's you, Frank. Great. We'll get somebody to call Thank you. you. Thank you very for, much, Governor. My honor, sir. That's Thanks for your call, Frank. And we've got lots of questions coming in via social media. Kenny Burns from WHYY, what do you have for us? Nancy, we've actually received this question several times over from a number of casino workers. Eric from Atlantic City will represent the group. Governor, will you call on the legislature to make eliminating the casino smoking loophole a priority early in this new legislative session? This is urgent for my fellow casino dealers and me, as we cannot keep risking our health by working in a smoke-filled environment, yet we must still provide for our families. Yep. Listen, this is one I get a lot as well, Kenny and Eric. Um, let's Folks who may not be as close to this as Eric certainly is and his colleagues, um, 
I'm, I'm not a smoker, by the way, so I, I support uh, in any legislation, let me be clear about that, that would come to my desk um, that would allow us to ban it indoors. Folks should remember that it's been allowed indoors in Atlantic City uh, since casinos were uh, first opened uh, 40-odd years ago. Uh, the exception was during the public health emergency, uh, and that element of it expired due to COVID. That element expired, uh, I think it was on July 4th itself. And I've said since then, and I want to repeat it tonight again, um, if legislation can get to my desk that would uh, allow us to do that, I will sign it. Um, it is something we I speak to legislative leadership about without question. Um, and uh, it is something that uh, I, I would support. I want to be un- unambiguous about that. Okay. You know, we've been talking about affordability, and I'd like to go back to some of, of that um, since it uh, – I mean, is this going to become a major theme of your second term? I sort of set that up because that's what you talked about in your State of the State and yeah. in your inauguration speech. But um, – if affordability is going to become a big thing and and a focus, and you you also spoke in your speech about uh, college, the cost of college, and yep. wanting to get that down for parents. So tell us a little more yeah. about that and about wh- where you see this going. I would broaden it. Uh, first of all, affordability has been something we've been on since moment one. So that's not a new. It's it's not as though we've spent four years doing other stuff and we decided to focus on it now. We, the, it's something we've been on. Uh, can I do I see it intensifying potentially? Yes, we're constantly looking. We're, we're putting the budget together as we speak, so it's clearly something that um, is is pregnant at, at, at the moment and will continue to be. I'd broaden the lens, Nancy, and take it from affordability to opportunity. What can we do to by making property taxes, health care, college more affordable? Uh, what can we do? by establishing new industries in the state, uh, investing in higher education more aggressively, train workforce development. What can we do to make sure that that opportunity, that American dream is available to everybody? I mentioned in my inaugural speech that, you know, my mom and dad, one high school degree between them, uh, the deal was that if you worked hard, you, you kept your nose clean, you were going to do better than mom and dad. And indeed, my siblings and I did. Um, but I think for the first time, sadly, in maybe our country's history, at least our modern history, there's real question, at least for a lot of folks, as to whether or not that's still the case. So I want to make sure that New Jersey is the opportunity state where you can afford to be here. You get a fair shot. You get your opportunity to do better than mom and dad hopefully a lot better, um, and that folks can look to New Jersey and say, you know what, that's not just where the American dream lives, that's where it thrives. And that would be my broader lens. So in terms of college, one of the things that you did in your first term was you made it, uh, you provided free tuition for folks who qualified for it. They needed it. They were within sight of finishing and needed like finishing grants, that sort of thing. For community Uh, colleges first, right? right? So what, that was about $50 million you spent on community college? that sounds about right. Tuition assistance. So is that going to get broadened out? Are we going to see tuition at Rutgers go down, for instance? So we, it's the Community College Opportunity Grant. And if you if you earned less than uh, family income below a certain amount and you had, to your point, exhausted all of your other Pell Grants and whatever, that this would be a last dollar program, it's been a game changer. 
uh, uh, literally tens of thousands of pe- people have participated in it. We have raised the income level. So we've done that at least once, maybe twice, so more people are eligible. Last year, we started something similar, the four-year colleges, the Garden State Guarantee, which the way it's currently constructed would be especially for a community college transferee into a four-year state college, years three and four, same program are paid for uh, as you would for the community college. I'd love to expand that. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to even, Nancy, expand it such that you didn't have to come in from a community college and, and be eligible in year three, but you could be eligible in year year one for that as well. We'll see. Obviously, these things are not cheap, um, but boy, they're game changers. And uh, and you uh, go back to community colleges. First study I read before, this is three years before I ran for governor, uh, McKinsey did a study about where are the opportunities to close gaps if you want to be a leader in the innovation economy? And they said those community college, middle skill, really good paying, good benefits, strong middle class jobs, you invest in that, you will close one of the gaps that you'll otherwise be facing, and it's happening as we speak. Oh, interesting. Okay, let's go back to the phones. We have Rachel from Hackensack on the line. Rachel? Hey, yes, Rachel. hi, Nancy. Hi, Governor Murphy. Hi, Rachel. Um, quick question. So, Executive Order 128 um, has expired, yes? I'm not sure which one 128 is. That's so. the rent moratorium, <laughs> the rent moratorium um, that extended or allowed uh, tenants to utilize their security deposit to assist in payment of rent. Um, okay, so let's, let's stay at that. And you're wondering whether or not you could, uh, we could envision reinstituting that? Correct. Or because at this point, people who've managed to stay in their dwellings even have to even after utilizing um, that executive order to their benefit to maintain um, their living situation at the time. Now, a lot of landlords are um, trying to enforce that the expiration of executive order 128. And now they're trying to recoup. The, yeah, the security, security deposit. I, I, what I would like to do, Rachel, is get somebody from Department of Community Affairs to get to you, either the lieutenant governor or one of her people. Um, we just announced, we put out a, 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 another big slug of money uh, uh, t- uh, directed toward this neighborhood, the rental mortgage reality. I think $350 million, if my memory serves me correctly, of American Rescue Plan money uh, to deal with issues exactly like this. So if you could bear with us, I'm going to have ask Sheila herself or one of her senior people uh, to call. This is an example of – this is still a – I don't have to tell this to, to listeners. There's still a lot of hurt out there. There's still a lot of folks who are back on their rent, mm-hmm. back on their mortgage, back on their utility payments. Um, and that's why we've held – people ask me, why haven't you spent all the American Rescue Plan money? We want to make – we're still in the fight here. We want to make sure we spend it smartly, right. responsibly, and re- acknowledge that we're still not out of the woods yet. So, Rachel, please bear with me if you could, and we'll get someone to sure, call you. Sure, appreciate it. Nice to hear your voice. Love you, Nancy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm a little confused. So the more the, the moratorium is over, right? I mean, people need to, if people pay, they have to pay their rent at this point. Yeah, but we've still got we've now announced a subsequent programs to help that be as responsible as possible, uh, so that you're not hit, you're not getting sticker shock overnight. As I said, I think it was 350 million dollars. Uh, that we announced within the past couple of weeks 
uh, of American Rescue Plan money. And so would that be aid that renters apply for you, or that landlords try to get instead of going after their renters for back rent it, or whatever? It is uh, both. We've had the, the because the small landlord community has been has had an enormous amount of pain, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, which we have to acknowledge as well. Uh, but it is for rental and mortgage assistance. And again, we've got a lot of utility arrearages that we're still dealing with and we'll have to deal with. Okay. Um, we are going to go to Joanne in Tom's River on the phone for you. Joanne? Hey, Joanne. Yes, uh, yes I'm here. Hey, Joanne. I'm here. I'm going to make this as brief as possible. You say you want to um, do things for the middle class. Well, I wrote you, certified, quite a package, and I said, forget about raising those tolls. Because many people travel every day to go to work, and those increases in the tolls are really going to hit everyone in the pocket. Yeah. Did you hear me, Governor? I heard you. Well, and your question, Joanne? Yeah. What are you going to do about reducing the tolls? Uh, the tolls? Because we're already paying more in gas and everything. Yeah. So, a good question, uh, and I appreciate your asking it. We had to raise the tolls because the Transportation Trust Fund uh, would have otherwise gone belly up. And what that means in simple terms is we would not have been able to invest in roads, bridges, highways, tunnels, uh, tracks. Uh, we're the most densely populated state in America. That's just not an option for New Jersey. No, so, that's uh, because of Christie did absolutely nothing for the roads. Right. So. When I started coming down here, the roads were good. Yep. When he became governor, everything went down the toilet. Yep. I Listen, uh, as, as I said, we had no choice. Now, listen, uh, we did the gas t- – that transportation trust fund has a uh, gas tax component to it. Uh, I was happy that in August it's a, it's a formula, and it, it was the, the formula came out. It was lower this year, uh, thank God, because gas prices, as we know, have been going up. Inflation is – is all around us, and gas is no exception to that. Um, but listen, we get the infrastructure situation in the state stabilized, which we are doing, and God willing, we'll continue to do. Um, you know, then you can start looking at relief on those tolls, and in the meantime, Joanne, we'll try to get your relief elsewhere, to, whether it's property tax, rental, something else that's away from the infrastructure so we can still do the infrastructure investments, but also give you some relief at the same time. It makes me wonder, her question, um, you know, President Biden is facing enormous backlash uh, or pressure because of the inflation. inflation. Uh, and folks are really, you know, it hits you, obviously, in your pocketbook immediately when prices start going up. So uh, are you seeing that in the state? I mean, obviously, there's inflation, but are you seeing that in terms of like a ramping up of frustration and concern among citizens who, you yeah. know, I don't know, maybe there aren't too many events that you go to where you're seeing people, but yeah. are you hearing that from people? No, no, no question. There's no question. There's a lot of frustration, anger, fatigue out there right now. Yeah. I'm sick of wearing masks. I'm sick of people telling me what to do. I mean, I, I myself, you get on a plane, which we haven't done a lot of that, or on a train, and, uh, you know, they give you a five minute, all the things you can't do. They take five minutes off and then they give you the five minutes again. Uh, it's it's in, it's gas costing a lot more money. Joanne making that point. Uh, it's, the answer is yes. Now, I'm of the opinion that inflation 
is real without question, but that it is not here forever, that the Federal Reserve is going to do what they need to do, that the supply chain disruptions, the labor market disruptions, both of which are real, no, no question about that, but are have unique reasons in the here and now. Um, but there's no question about it, Nancy. People yeah. are, you remember that movie Network? They're mad as yes. hell and they can't take it anymore. <laughs> May I just say, I know the entire state of New Jersey is listening to us, but if you're a soccer fan, the United States is tied 0-0 at half with El Salvador in a very important World Cup qualifier. Yeah, we should sure have spent doing. the whole show on that. What now, are you even talking I know everybody's about? listening to us, which is why they called in to get the score. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to Kenny Burns, WHYY. One last social question, Kenny. Uh, thanks for the sports update, Governor. My pleasure, Kenny. <laughs> Alex B. using the hashtag AskGovMurphy wants to know, why don't we have Statue of Liberty license plates? <laughs> That's a good question, because we're not in New York, I guess. Hey, uh, but Statue of Liberty's I, in New Jersey. Trust me, but they got, don't they have another license plate? They do. I, don't know. I think they do. do. They? Uh, not anymore. Uh, Listen, it's a very good question. There is a general misconception in the world, never mind in the region or the country, uh, that this is all New York. So I remember, in fact, uh, Governor Cuomo was talking about when he didn't like something Donald Trump did. He said, well, we're going to shut uh, we're going to shut down the Liberty, uh, not Liberty State Park, but the Statue of Liberty. And uh, Mayor Fulop of Jersey City said, actually, you, you, you need me to do that. Uh, uh, but listen, it's a point of pride. That's the one thing I would say, Nancy. We should also remind folks we're going to have a big snowstorm this weekend, so oh, stay I tuned. I to ask you about um, that, yeah. But people – this state, I, I believe with all my heart, has a kick in its step again. It's got you know, Jersey tough, Jersey pride, backbone, attitude, character. Um, and I tell you, there's nothing like that. There's no state in America like New Jersey. There just isn't. Uh, whether it's the Statue of Liberty, whether it's the Sopranos, whether it's – Great music, legends, whatever it might be, nobody is Jersey, uh, uh, only Jersey. Okay, well, Debbie Downer here is going to ask one more question yep. before we uh, call it a night. we got a couple minutes left. So New York City has been reeling from a spike in violence. Uh, it's a bad segue there, but and New Jersey has a similar spike. Um, and I know you made some announcements today on gun violence, yeah. so just tell us what I'll, you did today. I'll be real quick, given the clock, because I do want to spend 10 seconds on the weather, because that, okay. that's uh, here. Announced $15.2 million, split about evenly, one half of it for something called ShotSpotter and better license plate recognition technology, huge assets for police. High tech, allows you to get to the scene uh, visually uh, before the 911 call is even in. The other half is for teams that are on the street working with youth to prevent them from getting involved in gangs and gun violence. You did that perfectly quickly. Talk about the weather real quick. We got a fairly significant storm. It's going to be accumulations in the entire state, but especially on the coast with very high winds. Mid-Friday into mid-ish Saturday. Folks, stay tuned. Ready.nj.gov is the best place to be. Nancy, great to be back. Thanks. You're listening to Ask Governor Murphy. I'm Nancy Solomon. And we had production help from Doug Doyle, Joseph Capriglione, David Antoine, Kenny Burns, Katie Colinari, Alexandra Hill, and Steve Doman. Thanks for listening. This is Ask Governor Murphy.